Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. Welcome to episode 72 of The Department. Uh, You know, they say you'll never have a second episode 72. (laughs) That's what they say. Yeah, Yeah, they Mm -hmm. say. I don't know, but we're going to just keep saying it. Anyway, um, have we got a treat for you. Pour yourself your boozy seltzer of choice. Grab a pack of Dunkaroos and snuggle your favorite stuffed animal. Because today we're going to dig into this new trend called cadulting. (laughs) It just rolls right off the tongue. I don't mm-hmm. love it. I don't love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like adulting, which is it's a very millennial term. That's kind of very, annoying. But yeah. But then, like mm. you know, zhuzhed up or zhuzhed yeah. down. I don't know. Anyway, like, what else do you call it? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of anything else. So, if you're listening to this episode today uh, and you are inspired by a new name for it, send it our way. Maybe Kim and I will stumble across a new name for this as we're talking. We are, if you haven't heard, scholars of trends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe mm-hmm. we'll find scholars. Something new. Scholars. We're wearing we're wearing a robe. We're yeah, sitting I mean, in a <laughs> I practically am wearing a robe because right now as we're recording this, there's an ice storm oh. outside here in Austin. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. So it's, you know, very cold in my house because it, my house is not designed for winter. Uh that's how we live here in Texas. We live coldly and hotly. Anyway, this is part one of two because we have so much to share with you here. And I personally am very excited to wow you with a mixture of nostalgia, data, and margarita-seeking dogs. Oh. I know. Kim, I don't you're know excited. Where, where you're going with that one. I know. You'll find out. Mm-hmm. You will find out. So, Kim, mm-hmm. I know you have a spiel. Yep. Tell everyone. Going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, follow, rate, and review. Oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. Those, that's what I've heard other people say. So follow, huh. rate, and review. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all those things. Um, you know, Give us some love because it really helps us get seen. Um, the more you interact with the apps, apparently. Um, also, you know, make sure to follow us on Instagram, at underscore the underscore department. Um, also, I did add, if you go to the link in bio, for anyone that's ever wanted to, us to be on Patreon, and since we just don't have the, um, the bandwidth to actually, you know, produce any extra content, added a tip jar. Woo! So if you were throwing, throwing a yeah! dollar or two <laughs> yeah, at any podcast. I- I love yeah. it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Fill that tip jar. Listen, mm-hmm. guys, if Kim is correct on her uh, Pantone color of the year prediction, which I guess we came up with together, yeah, we are going to go did. to Las Vegas, Nevada to eat dinner at the Pepper Mill. So we need That's that true. tip jar to be full, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let Kim's dreams come true. Yeah. yeah and no, it's, no. it's really for paying for other apps. 
It's you have to pay for so many apps when you're we pay developing for so podcasts. many apps. Yeah, it's just true. so many apps. Yeah. You think it's going to be free and you're just going to like talk into a microphone and call it a no. day and you get nickeled and dimed everywhere. Everything's a subscription. <laughs> Everything uh, is. You know, I was having trouble falling asleep the other night and I was like mentally planning a weekend in Vegas for us. Oh my uh, gosh. Just like was all it- the fun stuff we would do, which would be like not what most people would do in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like thrifting and then going to oh, Pepper Mill. Yeah. And then exactly. what thrifting again, and then going back to Peppermill, okay. maybe going to like, uh, you know, the down, you know, the downtown area of Vegas is actually really totally. Fun. There's so much cool mm-hmm. stuff over there. There's this uh, hotel, old motel that was turned into like <gasps> a bunch of little shops and boutiques. Oh. It's so cute. I want to say it's called Henderson's. Um, okay. Anyway, yeah, we definitely do that. Um, there's a skincare place that I like in Chinatown called Shibuya La. We'd go there, get some masks. You know, um, you know that your favorite Japanese uh, conveyor belt sushi place opened up there too. What? Yep. In, in Chinatown, I believe. Okay, so listen, we yeah, have to do went it. to the actual in Japan version of that place. I believe it's called Kura Sushi. Yeah, that, yes, it is. We went to it in Osaka totally by accident. We wanted to go to this other restaurant. We walked out, walked up, 100 people waiting to get in. We're like, well, we're not going there. And Dustin was like at this point where if we didn't feed him soon, he was going to turn <laughs> into a gremlin. Um, and we were walking and I was like, wait, is that Kura Sushi? The place we always like to go? And we were like, what? It couldn't be. But it, it was. And then we went upstairs and it was way, way more technologically advanced. No like kidding. you don't even check in with a host. You check in on a computer and then they call your number. Like a computer calls your number and you go sit down. You barely have any contact with other humans. You can get alcohol, which is great. Okay. I think all restaurants need to start doing this. I agree. And the last thing is that they have, it's like kind of like a new sushi trend from our last trip in Japan. It's like a, it's like, it's not a roll. It's like, you know, where it's like the ring of seaweed and there's rice jam down there and then there's something on top, but it's not a roll. It's like face up. Um, There's a name Mm. for it that I'm totally blanking on right now because I'm drinking a boozy kombucha. Of course. And uh, anyway, it is one of those basted hard boiled eggs, you know, like that are like tan because they've been Mm -hmm. like seasoned. And then it's just like on top of there with a little dollop of kewpie, dead. Oh. Literally have been thinking about it since then. <laughs> I wonder if the Kura has one out here. I don't know. You need to find out because then I'm going to have to come to L.A. like ASAP. That's true. Because uh, I can't stop thinking about it. Oh, anyway, that sounds incredible. Sounds incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's not what we're here to talk about. Well, although, But that's what the tip jar is for. Is yeah. So that Amanda <laughs> could come to Los Angeles to have a hundred-year-old, you know, basted, <laughs> cured egg with Kewpie mayo. Seriously, um, I have needs, okay? I have needs. Um, or oh. go to, you know, Peppermill and eat a humongous salad. Although, yes. Kim always gets breakfast there. So she'll it's be having, best. like, I don't yeah. know, something like an omelet, maybe? Like, what no, do you like no. to get? It's usually, like, two eggs over easy. Classic. Something classic. They also make a good um, hollandaise and, like, Benedict situation. I can so see that. that. I can see that. And every mm-hmm. serving is, like, for three people, basically. It is. <laughs> anyway. Go to the Peppermill. If you're mm-hmm. in Vegas, hot tip, you will never be the same again. It's the best. Wait, I actually came up with a really, really good name for Gidaltin. Okay. How about just kidding? <laughs> I'm Maybe. kidding. He's like, kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, I'm busy right now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. People are like, wait, are you, are you busy or not? <laughs> no, I am. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I can be, yeah, I can do that all night. Anyway, okay. So, a few weeks ago, we talked a bit about how the 2022 holiday shopping season was pretty disappointing for the retail industry and 
even since then, more and more data has been coming in, and it just was not a great year. The toy industry was no exception, and I cannot underscore how much the toy industry relies on the holiday season. I mean, we've all been kids, so we know, right? It's like that's when you get the most toys in the year, right? Well, by the time the holiday season rolled around, toy sales year-to-date were falling behind the previous year. Now, that's a function of a few things, and I can tell you, like, for the retail industry as a whole, uh, the year before, we actually saw a lot more consumer spending, especially on fun things like toys and clothes and also on, like, home goods and, you know, home improvement, all that stuff, because people were getting the stimulus checks, And that had a major impact on the consumer landscape that coupled with a lot of supply chain issues, it really motivated people to buy stuff that in the past they would have passed on. Hmm. So last year was kind of like a really, well, I guess it's the year before last now, was a good year for retail and they weren't expecting it. Then this most recent year, you know, supply chain issues are resolved for the most part. Uh, more people are working. The world is reopened to some, to you know, to pretty much back to normal, so to speak, as much as it could be. And suddenly, retail is disappointing, and that included yeah. toys. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like you know, like demand forecasting on if for a lot of these retailers, everybody just really assumed this was going to be a fantastic year. They and did. It just was yeah. a pooper. It was a real pooper. That's a great way to describe it. And it was like for everyone. And so if you're seeing a lot of stuff on sale right now, that's why. Because everyone has too much inventory. I mean, I just they, I just yeah. got a push notification from the Wall Street Journal that reads, the American consumer is starting to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. I am just generally freaking out all the time. Oh, of course. But of course. I mean, yeah, things are weird right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you might not see a lot of new stuff in stores for the next few months because... A lot of stores are over-inventoried, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Now, interestingly, it seems like a lot of my friends who own small businesses actually had a pretty good year. And so I think this also just points to a larger consumer trend, which is to, like, buy local, buy small, buy stuff Mm -hmm. that's more meaningful, right? So that's great. That is awesome. I love that. So anyway, the toy industry last year was, was struggling over the previous year. But there were some bright spots. Like, not all hope was lost. So there is a group called NPD. They are an American market research company, and they really do a lot of work around the toy industry. In fact, if you go out there right now and you want to read an article about the toy industry, which I don't know why you are, we're here doing it for you. But if you wanted to, I'm going to guarantee you that in many cases, this group, NPD, is going to be providing the information. It's really interesting. Like Working on this episode and the next episode really taught me a lot about an industry that I'm barely involved with (laughs) and how they have their own group, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, they said, quote, of the 11 toys super categories tracked by MPD, six saw sales increase versus 2021. So six out of 11 categories, not amazing. Uh, You don't want to see that. I mean, if you are in a company where exponential growth year after year after year after year is your goal, which it is in just about every retailer or consumer goods company out there. If only six of your 11 categories are doing better than the previous year, probably someone's getting yelled at, right? Yes, someone is definitely getting yelled at. Someone definitely has a stomach ache. Anyway, plush toys enjoyed the highest growth. So we're talking stuffed animals. 
put a pin in that because that's really important. Mm -hmm. They increased by 32%. This is in an industry that was actually down to the previous year. And yet here is a category that has increased by a third. That's a big deal. Um, Action figures and accessories also came in at 12% growth over the previous year. A category that they called explorative and other toys at 10%. I have no idea what that means. Explorative creeps me out. Oh, I wonder, you know, because I actually, this is actually really funny that we bring this up right now is because I went to uh, the birthday party of my my brother-in-law's brother. Um, (laughs) My brother-in-law's brother has a son and he just turned uh, 12 or 10. He just turned 10. And we had to go to Target. It was probably the most boring thing I, that I've ever experienced in my wow, life. Wow, we'll that's go a to lot because we we used to have oh. all those like six hour meetings at Nasty. I Gal. know. No, this was just like I felt like I was, you know, I, 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 like the life force was being sucked out of me. I think maybe it's just the air circulation. But I was, we were shopping for uh, kids stuff, and they have all this like you know like uh, National Geographic. Um, uh, you know, like uh, stones, like those like stone cleaners and um, microscopes. Oh, and that's all probably these, explorative toys. I think that's what it is. And it was so, I thought it was really cool, you know, and I think that a lot of, um, you know, it was a lot of stuff that I remember I would have, I loved as a kid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they, they were even more like mature and evolved um, than what my, wow. uh, my yeah, versions were. That's pretty cool. So yeah, they were up 10%. And if you're seeing more of them, that makes sense. <laughs> yes, it does. And then building sets. We're talking specifically Legos. Put a pin in that too. They came in at 5% growth. Once again, this is for an industry that is actually uh, experiencing negative growth, right? So these are big deals. Um, the categories that had the largest sales decline were outdoor and sports toys, dolls, which I thought was interesting. Um, and they both fell by 7 and 8% respectively. And the fastest growing subclasses underneath all of those super categories uh, were non-strategic cards and stickers. So we're talking like trading cards, right? Followed by plush toys, action figures, and collectibles. So we're going to come back to that list in a few minutes. But if someone read that to me and asked me for my guesses on what was happening there, my mind would go immediately to collectability and adults, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, adults aren't buying outdoor toys. They might be buying dolls. Actually, we're going to talk about lo- dolls later for sure. But in general, they're going to buy collectible items. The plush toys might be a wild card for you, but I can, I'm, as we're going to talk about later, there is an incredible amount of, co- of collectability attached to plush Meaning stuffed Plushies, animals. Yes. Yep, yeah, and we're going to talk about that more. Wait, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What does non-strategic cards and stickers mean? Oh, that means like collectible, like uh, collectible cards, like trading cards. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was thinking Hallmark here. I just was going back, <laughs> going yeah, back to J- JT Puffins. Yeah, you love you love <laughs> JT Puffins. Uh, no, yeah, it's you know, and it's like. You know, trading card, like think cat, uh, garbage pail kids or something this like that. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So Hasbro, which is a name I'm sure all of you recognize if you have ever been a child or known a child, which is all of us, uh, is one of the biggest toy companies in the world. And they had an incredibly weak holiday season. In fact, oh, this morning no. I read, I want to say they're laying off like 10,000 people. 
What? I got a push wow. notification about it. Yeah, hold on. They're going to cut 15% of their workforce. It's actually Huge. about 1,000 jobs. So I exaggerated here. But 15% is a lot. Yeah. And I'm kind of low-key surprised that they don't have even more employees. Because this company... You might think like, oh, I've heard of Hasbro. They own some of the biggest toy properties out there, like Play-Doh, Nerf, My Little Pony, so many more. Yes, that's our Transformers, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Marvel. That has like nostalgia attached to it. Yeah, yeah. It's a name we all know. Tons of games, all kinds of stuff. So they had an incredibly weak holiday season, and they're laying people off. And a big part of that was that their biggest investments, meaning the stuff that they manufactured the highest quantity in, were Play-Doh games nerf and my little pony and these are all properties that focus on children i mean i know we all have a lot of nostalgia associated with my little pony but i'm here to tell you that the my little pony you know from your childhood is not today's my little pony no it's not Uh today's my little pony is a little sexier she is a little flirtier (laughs) thinner (laughs) no that's just not cute yeah yeah it's like they've been bratsified so all of these things, you know, are, ca- are categories and brands that really focus on children. And many toy industry experts have actually seen a significant drop off, drop off in games, Play-Doh, craft sets, and other toys that kept kids busy during the early years of the pandemic. None of that surprises me. I read a quote somewhere that was something like, parents have had enough of trying to scrub Play-Doh out of carpet. They're moving on. (laughs) And it was such a visceral Mm -hmm. memory to me of getting Play-Doh in the carpet. Mm -hmm. Um, My brother... You know, we'd always get like a Play-Doh set to share. It was always something that would come with Christmas, right? Like the six colors or whatever. And it was supposed to be like a shared family bonding toy. And it would turn into just like virtual child-on-child violence a couple days after (laughs) Christmas. Because my brother would like open a container, right? Roll it all up. And then he would take a piece and turn it into a donut and then eat it. And I would just be beside myself. Like, you can't eat the Play-Doh. I know. You can't eat the Play-Doh. And then he would mix all the colors together, and then they were, like, ruined. Right? Yeah. Anyway. This this was the same brother that had a My Buddy doll. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's got a past. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a past of being disrespectful with toys. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Hasbro does have other properties, like action figure properties, that could appeal to people of all ages. I mentioned some of them earlier, Transformers, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and Marvel. But analysts refer to them as, quote, tired, because none of them have any new movies attached to them to renew interest in buying those things. And that made me kind of laugh, because Dustin and I talk about all the time, like how the same movie just keeps coming out over and over again to sell toys, basically. Yes, exactly. You know, it's just like, like cars, re- cars 8. Yeah, or exactly. What's the one with like uh, the Buddy doll? Not and like actually Buddy, not my Buddy, but Buddy, like the cowboy. Oh, uh, Toy Story. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or there's like a million Minions movies, I oh, think. I yeah. don't even know. I don't I, know. You know, so my worst mm-hmm. boss ever, a total monster, like raging asshole narcissist bully. Loved Minions. Classic. Classic. Oh, no. Major girl boss energy. Loved Minions. I mean, and that was an aesthetic for a while. I guess. And so I, like, she had a Minions birthday cake one year and had, like, Minions stickers at her desk. And I am just, like, triggered by even saying the word Minions. It is embarrassing. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's terrible. So let's never speak of it again. <laughs> I know. Oh. 
But anyway. Barbie, I mean, the fact that Barbie's coming out with a movie. Oh, my God. But it's an adult God. movie. I mean, I, I don't know how wait. adult it is. Like, I wonder how that's going to really affect um, the Barbie I industry. I, I I was thinking about that, too. Actually, we should, like, put a pin in that because we're going to talk about Mattel a lot okay. in this okay. pair of episodes. And I do. I'm interested to see what you think they're going to do to. I think it's an adult movie. I think and I, it by is, By adult too. movie, we don't mean, like, porno. We mean like sophisticated themes, mm-hmm. right? And I think that they could really cash in on nostalgia there or something. So anyway, speaking of Mattel, which is the home of Barbie and another iconic toy brand, Fisher-Price, among many, many other things, Hot Wheels. I mean, Mattel has been like at the top for a very long time. They also had a really rough 2022, um, lowering their revenue forecasts going into the holiday seasons. They were like, hey, we're not even going to pretend that we're going to hit what we thought we were. Like, this was like in October. They're like, it's just not going to happen. They said that the sales of infant and toddler toys, so we're talking Fisher Price, right? Dolls like Barbie action figures and building sets slipped in North America during that third quarter. And they were just like, we're not going to make it up. Like if, the, and, and you and I have talked about this in previous episodes. Like if you have a soft October, as in your October is lower than your September and then November is lower than that October, oh, like things are bad. That's dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, And so we're going to come back to Mattel way later in the game because they are, doing something different that could be a big win for the company as it picks up momentum. And I also think, especially with the Barbie film on the horizon, I think like they should just hire me and I can come in and help them get their ideas together. Also, I love Barbie. (laughs) Um, So anyway, we're going to talk about Mattel later. But in general, the toy industry had a really great 2020 and 2021, like peak pandemic, because like I said, parents bought more toys for their kids partially because they had that stimulus money and partially because they needed the kids to keep themselves busy at home. Exactly. It's like it's like throwing the dog an, an extra bone to like distract them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And plus, like, you know, they weren't going on vacations. They weren't mm-hmm. having birthday parties. They weren't going out to dinner. And so like there, you know, many families still had a little bit of extra money to like throw at toys. Um, but another thing that was driving sales in 20, 2020 and 2021 was, and this is what we're going to be talking about. So drum roll, please. <laughs> Adults buying games, collectibles, plush, and other nostalgic things for themselves. So the industry is calling this emerging cohort of toy customers ages 12 and up adults. Now, 12 sounds young to me. It's generally considered, I mean, like 12 is a child, right? But it's generally considered by the toy industry, the age that kids begin to lose interest in toys. I disagree, but I was also a major late bloomer. <laughs> so that was probably part of it. Um, and I also like love toys to this day. I've, I personally think I'm a real uh, trailblazer in the world of adulting. <laughs> so these adults. And that's K-I-D-U-L-T-S. They are spending money on toys and stuff. Let me tell you, about 25% of toy Whoa. sales for the past few years. 25% of toy sales. That's a huge amount. That's huge. Totaling about $9 billion per year. Wow. 
Um, in fact, while the Cadults were only a quarter of toy sales last year, which I, I say only, but that's like a lot, they accounted for 60% of the oh, growth that the industry wow, has experienced. That's huge. Huge. The remaining growth that the industry has seen in toy sales over the past couple of years has actually been primarily driven by inflation, higher toy prices in 2021 and in 2022 relating to like supply chain issues and all kinds of other stuff that really stemmed from the pandemic. Cadults are a great way to fuel sales in this industry because they are far less price sensitive than parents, right? And they are totally fine paying a much higher price for something that feels nostalgic or important to them. Yes, I mean, with the, the emotional quality to it. It really, really is. That is such a big part of it. So we're going to talk about MPD Group again, this uh, company that is just like really in the world of toys. And someone who gets quoted a lot by them is a woman named Julie Lennett. She's their toy industry advisor. And she told Business Insider that this boom in adults buying toys is the direct result of two things, the pandemic and social media. She said, the adult customer was looking for something to soothe their anxiety and stave off boredom, an adult pacifier, if you will, during these difficult nearly three years. And because they had stopped doing other entertainment activities outside the home at the height of the pandemic, they had extra money to spend. Now, many of them are hooked. And you and I have now been for like, I don't know, like two years now, Kim, talking about how social media can really drive sales in a wide variety of categories. And we've also seen over the past few years how the social media coupled with everybody kind of staying at home and having to change all their habits and routines led to a lot of different consumer patterns as well, right? So, of course. you know, one that comes to top of mind that was happening well before the pandemic is how Instagram has helped fast fashion and beauty brands just grow and grow and grow because they've blurred that line between advertising and user-generated content. Yeah, we're talking about influencers, but really at a certain point, it's like everyone is an influencer on social media, you know? So if you go buy a Barbie or a new eyeshadow and you post about it on Instagram, other people are gonna see that and they may mimic that behavior, right? Moving into the pandemic, we actually started to see social media fuel sales of new products that ha we hadn't really seen that much of on Instagram in the past or on TikTok uh, because we everybody was sort of looking for community, trying to you know reach out to one another and find connection in a time when we couldn't see one another IRL. So things like cookware, I remember way back in the early days of the department, Kim, you did a segment on all the cookware everybody That's was buying. That's true, yes. Right? yes. Skin care, because it, you weren't wearing makeup, but when you wanted to make your skin look really good, workouts, supplements, so many trendy foods. Remember the cakes that look like other objects? Still yes, my favorite, of course, right? Of course, yes. And they're <laughs> getting even more realistic. I think I saw one that was literally like a hand. Yeah, and then oh, they, wow. they cut into it. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, actually, that kind of makes me a little sick. It was so realistic. <laughs> yeah. Well, realistic cakes are timeless. You're, I, no one's taking them away from me. They still blow my mind every time. Puzzles. Remember puzzles, mm -hmm. electronics, furniture, all kinds of home improvement, seeds. Remember when everyone sold out of seeds? Yes. Gardening as a whole. I could go on and on. I'm trying to think, like, what were other trends that 
social media really fueled during the pandemic that were associated with like buying new categories of stuff. Sweatpants. Tie-dye, everything tie-dye. Oh my God, that's right. People were getting into Uh tie-dye. They were buying tie-dye kits. Mm -hmm. We saw a lot more crafting emerging. Cocktails, like at-home cocktails. Definitely. Everybody was like really upping like their ability to have experiences that they used to get outside of the house, in the house. Remember when everybody was baking bread? Yes. Never forget. Of course, never forget. Never forget. Well, just like that, just like all those packets of yeast that mm-hmm. were sold, social media also helped. If you could find them, that is. I know. So hard Who, to buy. I still think about it. I know. And it's like, when you say, oh, my God, there's a shortage of yeast and seeds, you're like, what is this catastrophe? What yeah, is going exactly. on? Right? Yeah. Well, just like social media helped fuel the sales of all of those things, it also fueled the sales of toys to adults. TikTok, Reddit, and even Instagram make it very easy to find others who share your interests, whether it's yeah. cooking, kawaii aesthetic, Hello Kitty, Legos, collectible blind boxes, or your growing collection of stuffed animals. So this rise in toy sales is coming from Gen Z, millennials, and Gen Xers. This is a big cohort of people. And I thought it was really interesting because we know that these generations have far less wealth than previous generations. They're struggling with student loan debt, high cost of living, record high rent, and inflation. Yet in most cases, these toys can be, and this is a term that Kim has used here before, an affordable luxury. And I have, beyond that, a few reasons why they are opting for toys over other categories. So, Kim, I feel like I already know the answer here, but have you bought any toys? No. (laughs) No, I haven't. (laughs) This is a very not Kim trend. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, you know? It's okay, yeah. It's really interesting from just like a phenomenon perspective. So, for one, what it means to be an adult has changed. I think we can all agree with that, right? I yes, even how, how adults look. I mean, you you look on Facebook and you know you you see all of your kind of adult friends or Instagram and they look completely different than um our parents did. Our, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you don't see a lot of Cathy's in our crew. I'm I'm still looking for some Cathy's. It's going to come back. <laughs> it's going to come it's back gonna for come sure. Back. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, you know, people get married a lot later, if at all. Uh, more and more adults are living with their parents. And, you know, to be honest, less of us are interested in that prescribed path of marriage, homeownership, kids, and retirement. I mean, one major trend that I've been seeing play out on Reddit is just how many people are like, yeah, I'm not having kids, and that's great. Whereas, like, even when we were, like, teenagers or in our early 20s, if you said to someone, oh, yeah, I'm not going to have kids, they would be shocked. They would be like, you don't know what you're talking about. You'll change your mind, right? But we're changing the notion of what our lives are supposed to be and what they can be. And even those of us who have signed up for all of those things, you know, marriage, homeownership, kids, career, retirement, we aren't interested in the rest of the rules around what we're supposed to be doing at each age. I have mentioned this before, and I stand by it, and I hope it isn't a squandered opportunity, but I think Gen X and the millennials are in a great position 
to redefine aging and the tired old perceptions of aging. That's why I'm, you know, lecturing you all when you say I'm too old to wear that or I'm too old to understand pronouns because you're not old (laughs) and we're going to change what it means to be each age, right? Um, And part of this is dispelling the boring notion that we have to give up, you know, that like childlike fun and wonder as adults. Adults want to remain creative. They want to have fun. They want to be interested in things. They want to participate in fandoms. They want to collect things like toys, stickers, and cards. And these were all seen as childlike activities in the past, something that we were supposed to leave behind after high school or even after junior high or even after elementary school. But that's changed. You know, we are definitely in, and I hope this continues, a different time in terms of what each age means and what you're supposed to be doing. I love that. That I love that too. That's so, that's such a great perspective. And I think that this is a big part of that because I know our parents, if like they were not going to go out and buy stuffed animals for themselves. No. You know? Well, I mean, no, they did. Beanie Babies. That's true. But that was an investment opportunity. No, that's, that's true. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. So there is this guy who I'm going to talk about a lot, too. His name is Jeremy Padawer. He is the chief brand officer at a toy company called Jazzwares. Now, you're going to be like, what the? I've never heard of that company we're going to talk about Jazzwares a lot. And I, by the end of this pair of episodes, you're going to be like, wow, Jazzwares is a huge ass company because they own a lot of very popular toy lines, hmm. including okay. Pokemon. But that's just the beginning. So they are like a way bigger player than you think, even if that name doesn't sound familiar to you. And it is with one Z, not two, Jazzwares. So he told CNBC, the definition of adulthood has definitely evolved. What it used to mean to be an adult was to be a very upstanding, serious member of society. And to do that, you had to demonstrate it intellectually, emotionally, in every other single way. Now we feel a lot more free to express our fandom as a part of our adulthood. And this is actually something that I I think we began to see with Gen Xers. And this is probably just fresh in my mind because over the past few weeks, I've watched a lot of 90s movies like Reality Bites and Ghost World and just other movies that really touched on what Gen X was doing in their young adulthood, right? And Gen Xers really embraced a lot of the toys and characters of their childhood, buying and reselling these items to one another. That's basically how eBay took off. So that you could buy that 90210 Brandon doll that you never had as a kid, or so that you could finally get some Star Wars sheets for your bedroom, or get that Hello Kitty phone you'd always dreamed of, whatever it was. It was all secondhand focused, right? Though, like, you would be hard pressed to go find these things new out in the world. I love how it's, you know, it's all part of your identity also. It know? is. Yes. Like how you, how you as an individual are identifying yourself as an adult and within this context of toys and and nostalgia and maybe things you missed out on or things that you loved when you were a kid. Yeah, it's totally and we're going to talk about this later, but We all grew up with things that were really, I mean, sorry to say it, hashtag capitalism, deeply embedded into our memories. So get Mm -hmm. ready to go into that later. But like, 
you know, we all have very shared memories around certain toys and cartoons, um, whereas previous, previous generations didn't have that in that way, right? And it is. It's an important part of, like, were you a Barbie person or were you a mm-hmm. Cabbage Patch Kid person, right? Exactly. Did you like Star Wars or Transformers? Like, these are things that bring people together. Um, so people are still buying these toys, nostalgic things on the secondhand market, but a lot of toy makers and so many other industries have observed this phenomenon and they are cashing in by creating new stuff that still scratches that same itch, but makes it a lot easier to scratch. You no longer are you setting the timer on your phone for when that eBay auction ends (laughs) so that you can win that Barbie dream house. Exactly. Right? By the way, I'm still, I really want a Barbie dream house. (laughs) Uh, The other night I was just like looking at Barbie dream houses of different decades and I was like, I want them all. They're all, there's one from like the early 90s that's very Laura Ashley. It's stunning. I know. Anyway, so that's one thing that has changed. We, what it means to be an adult has changed. Next, we have changed, especially in the past few years, how we live and where we spend our money. The reality is that the pandemic changed a lot of social behavior. In the beginning of the pandemic, way back in 2020, which to me feels like it was 100 years ago, we experienced a massive social shock because suddenly we were all forced to stay home. In 2021, yeah, sure, more things opened, but in a pre-vax world, it just wasn't fun to go to a bar. Yeah, exactly. Right? Clubs and music venues remained closed for the most part. Um, some of them never opened again. Restaurants struggled to provide service, and it was weird when you went. Or even employ people. Yeah, exactly. And so all these things that we kind of were like part of our normal life were kind of gone really, really fast. I mean, happy hour. Just going out and drinking with your friends on the weekend, going to see a movie, eating out, going on trips together. These were all the places where people spent their money and hung out with each other, right? Like these were social things. There weren't weddings and birthday parties or bachelorette weekends or any any of these things that have been part of how we connect with one another for a really long time. And by 2022, when things were seeming more normal, and I mean normal in quotes, because when I look back even at last year, I'm like, wow, that is really weird compared to all the other years of my life. <laughs> exactly. Right? We still experienced wave after wave of new COVID variants. And, you know, by then, even as stuff was reopening and we were getting more, quote, normal, we had changed our social and leisure behaviors. And it's hard to see them going back to where they were before. Data shows that we still, years later, eat out a lot less. But do we get more delivery? Probably. I don't know. I, mean, I think people are starting to move away from that too. It is they're so, like, I mean, we too talk rich about it for every, my blood. Yeah. Every episode, it's like, it's so expensive. Oh my God. Speaking <laughs> of, you know, it, it's not an episode of the department in 2023 if we don't talk about the price of eggs. <laughs> and I was I listening to a segment on NPR last week uh, about about eggs and how like the <laughs> the value of eggs, eggs are so expensive now, right? And they're one of those things that people will still buy no matter how expensive they are because it's just like, we feel like we need to have them. So all these other industries are popping off like fake eggs oh, and for the first yeah. time ever like vegan eggs uh, have you tried those 
No, but they tested them on the MP- on NPR and they sounded gross. Nobody liked them. Everybody said oh, they okay. tasted like potatoes. I don't know. Anyway, oh, for the first time ever, these uh, like vegan eggs are actually less expensive than real eggs, which is very unusual. You know, like a lot of the vegan substitutes for things are often yeah, more like expensive. Double the price. Right. Right. And then they talked to a guy who is has like a massive egg farm and he has been begun freeze drying all the eggs. And he said that they're basically like liquid gold. Like he takes all the eggs and puts them in a dehydrator or freeze dryer or whatever. And it turns them into like this yellow powder and he sells it by the ounce. And people, you know, you like reconstitute it with water and then you can make some eggs. And it's like he sells it. I want to say it was like $24 an ounce or something wild like that. I mean, he's like making a fortune, but people are buying it because they're so nervous about eggs going away. (laughs) What a time to be alive. Anyway, we we do eat out a lot less. We we complain about the price of eggs a lot more. You know, that first day of the pandemic forced us to learn how to cook. And we saw that it saved us a lot of money. And then delivery got so crazy expensive. It's like, feels it feels reckless, right? People go out drinking and clubbing a lot less often. And all that money we spent on drinks and cover and restaurants and trips, it's still in our pockets. Some of this shift could be, on top of everything else, generational. Because Gen Z drinks less than previous generations. And I mean, Kim, you and I know, drinking is expensive. So expensive. Yeah. According to a University of Michigan study, between 2002 and 2018, the number of adults aged 18 to 22 in the U.S. who abstained from alcohol increased from 20% to 28% for those in college. So more than a quarter of college students saying, I don't drink. That's uh, huge. I know, because like all those 80s movies about college led you to believe <laughs> that everybody was just like wasted all the time. And those who were not in school, it went from 24% not drinking to 30%. It would also make sense to me that this generation who was raised by the wine moms also rejects the it's wine o'clock somewhere signs at home goods <laughs> they might think that to drinking, save their money right? <laughs> spend it on toys well and they're like drinking just isn't that cool yeah. it's what my mom does it's what yeah. my aunt does it's what my uncle does right i also think that technology has changed our social behavior in a major way no matter what generation you call your own I read this op-ed written by a Zoomer named Maddie Thomas for The Guardian called, Like many of my fellow Gen Zers, getting drunk is not on my agenda. She says, In the past, if you wanted company, the easiest way was to go out, and going out usually involved a drink. Now you can talk to five friends at once, often on multiple platforms, from the comfort of your bedroom. You can start searching for a new relationship in your pajamas with no makeup on, swiping left and right. That is fascinating and absolutely so true. The digital digital communities and digital connection have just completely evolved the um, the drinking agendas, as you're saying. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I reached a point or I just started to notice this. I want to say like maybe 10 years ago, uh, I was in Portland, visiting Portland, and I was out at a bar and I was like... <sighs> There's like no one here or everyone here is just on their phones. And I realized that it's because you used to. And when I say you used to, I mean me go out 
50% to see your friends, but 50% hoping to hook up with someone or meet someone, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of drinking involved because like, what else are you going to do at so a bar? It's so stressful. It's so stressful. And if you don't need to go to bars to meet people anymore, which guess what? People do not go to bars to meet people. Uh, you don't need to go to a bar in general, right? Exactly. And so yeah. I think that that is really, really interesting. And it makes me think, like, what is the future for bars? I have no idea. Um. Anyway, the thing about collecting these toys and participating in these fandoms, these guarantee a new group of friends all over the world with common interests. Like, if you like Hello Kitty... You can join a few subreddits and Facebook groups and suddenly you have a whole new community of friends who, in addition to liking Hello Kitty, probably like a lot of other things that you like. These social relationships could even outweigh the focus on experiences that millennials were like a legendary for having. Remember, everybody just wanted experiences. Mm-hmm. But take a trip. It only lasts a few days and it's solely in your memories. But joining a group of Lego fanatics and sharing your new builds, that's an experience that just keeps on going and brings new relationships with it. And you can impress everyone with your new builds. <laughs> with your new Lego builds. I would love to see you As opposed get to into like, Lego. <laughs> oh, God. As opposed to, like, you know, impressing everyone with, like, the, the food that you ate on a trip or the view yeah. of a sunset. This is, like, a very tactile thing. And I, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I see so much less of that on social media now. Yeah. I rarely see a perfectly curated plate unless someone was like, I learned how to cook this thing and this is what I had. You don't see a lot of like sunsets and really perfectly curated vacation shots, except for like with the really chuggy influencers. And yeah, we might not be following them. Well, that's true. But I think, you know, like we're following cooler people, right? Yeah. The cooler people are doing different stuff. I do see things that people built out of Legos on Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, that's cool. Yeah, that looks fun, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so next, we need the comfort of nostalgia. We talk about this all the time, Kim. We nostalgia, need it. nostalgia, nostalgia. It's like we could just eat it up. I know. And, you know, I want to just bathe in nostalgia. You know, when we first started talking about nostalgia early in the pandemic, I thought like, oh, this is like a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, the new the world gets scarier every day. And it the does. future it does. It just becomes more and more uncertain. I had this moment a couple days ago where I was thinking about the early months of the pandemic when it was t- terrifying, right? We would go to the grocery store with gloves. We would come home and go in the door of our house and take off all of our clothes. (laughs) Spray down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and like, it was really scary. Every day we were like, what's going to happen next? Right? Well, the future still feels just as uncertain, even though I haven't worn gloves to go grocery shopping in quite a while. And, you know, it's normal human nature to look back to easier, simpler times. Jennifer Lynch of the Toy Association, another toy group, there's so many toy groups out there, they, she told the Today Show, over the past two plus years, living through the pandemic, adults really started to gravitate towards toys and games, not just to spend more time with their families, which they're already doing at home, but also for themselves to de-stress and kind of escape the realities that they were in. I was like, wow, I really feel that, you know? 
we, like I said, we have talked about the power of nostalgia quite a bit here as we saw so many nostalgic trends in the early years of the pandemic. Roller skating, who could forget, right? Oh my gosh, yes, everywhere. Reading young adult fiction, watching old movies and television series. In the early years of the pandemic, we had Friends, The Office, Gossip Girl. I still watch The Office. (laughs) It's comforting, right? Mm -hmm. Or Seinfeld. Oh, yes. Seinfeld's another one. Beverly Hills 90210. I've been like watching a lot of movies from my like childhood and teenage years. Clearly, you've been watching a lot of of Gen X movies. I know. It's really interesting because like, you know, you and I were really young when a lot of these movies came out. And so everything that everyone did in those movies was like the pinnacle of cool. It really was. And it's interesting to watch. Right. It's interesting to watch them from an adult perspective. Uh, with a little bit more life experience under your belt, plus through a 2023 lens where we're like, oh, that person's a gaslighter. That person's (laughs) an abuser, (laughs) right? Like, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So as we discussed a few episodes ago, when I talked about how I literally cannot stop buying $10 boxes of cereal, there is a, we have seen all of this nostalgia extend to nostalgic foods, including all those so-called healthy versions of sugary cereal, which, once again, I stand by. They're delicious. Boxed macaroni and cheese. There are so many brands out there. There's, there's this one called Goodles, which is like a healthy mac and cheese I've brand. I've seen that one. How is it? It's good. They raised... 10 million dollars in funding and i will say like i've tried almost all of them and they are decent you know i know i don't love craft macaroni and cheese it's just these are a little bit more sophisticated nice i was gonna ask okay okay Okay. and there's also low carb pop tarts by a company called legendary foods which i'm just gonna tell you uh, a few weeks ago, we stopped at a truck stop, uh, and I was, like, wanting a little something. And at first I thought, like, oh, I'll get an iced coffee, but they didn't have it. They did, however, have on their soda fountain an energy drink that was their own brand called Rooster Booster, <laughs> which sounds like Viagra or something. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. it was. Yes, and I was, like, you know, wandering around, and I found these legendary Pop-Tarts. Uh, the brown sugar cinnamon flavor is heavenly, and I ended up ordering a case of them. Oh, wow. A case? How well, like 12. Case? Oh, like 12. Okay. <laughs> but they're so good. Um, and then, you know, we also saw, we talked about this, like, back in 2012. One-y, I think all of the like wild junk food on steroids that you were seeing from Tasty and other websites like on social media all the videos of like this is a hamburger stuffed with nachos and a chicken or whatever and you're like what um, all this stuff is really based on comfort and nostalgia well Kim I don't know if this may have slipped under your radar because you're not much of a adult and I don't feel like you're much of a McDonald's customer but okay, I'm going to surprise you because I actually really love McDonald's breakfast. Oh my god, what do you get? I just like the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Classic, yeah. With like a, a hash brown. It's like, you can pretty much get me to go anywhere or get me up early if you promise me McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it holds up, right? And actually mm-hmm. their coffee is pretty good. It's like kind of better than Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Don't fight actually, me, anyone. It is better yeah, than Starbucks. Starbucks tastes like a burnt... Yeah, yeah, they have like a pretty a- good iced coffee, too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we've been, like, laughing all weekend because I forget how McDonald's came up in conversation. But Dustin reminded me of when Dylan was about, I don't know, like, let's say five, six, seven. They said, I said, what do you want for dinner tonight? And they said, well, I don't know. Have you ever been to that restaurant near Gam's house? 
And I was like, what restaurant? Like, there was a diner there. So I was like, maybe the diner? And they said, yeah, I don't know what it's called, but, you know, you, like, drive, you get your food in your car, and, you know, if you're a kid, you get a special box of food that has a toy in it. And I was like, (laughs) is it called a Happy Meal? And she was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I said, do you mean McDonald's? And (laughs) Dylan smiled so big and said, yeah, have you ever heard of it? <laughs> and makes <laughs> me laugh so hard. And this weekend, we kept making videos of the cats where I would ask them, have you ever heard of McDonald's? <laughs> and they would sit there silently, and I just kept sending them to Dylan. Anyway. Oh, so <laughs> cute. <laughs> anyway, uh, McDonald's in 2022 launched the adult Happy Meal, which where has it I been? I didn't it's, know. I know, but they should have, like, done this, like, 20 years ago. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. you probably don't know very many people who had it because Forbes called it one of the biggest mistakes made by a company last year. Really? Not because it wasn't a hit, but rather these adult Happy Meals sold out within one week. What? Wow. Yeah. So... There's a guy, his name's Tariq Hassan. He's McDonald's chief marketing and customer experience officer. And he said when they were announcing the launch, he said, we're taking one of the most nostalgic McDonald's experiences and literally repackaging it in a new way that's hyper relevant for our adult fans. I know. So smart. Oh my gosh, yes. So they didn't roll it out very successfully, which we'll talk about more, because I think they just didn't know that people have been waiting for this yeah. for like 20 years. Well, it's also the, c- cactus plant flea market is like such a huge driver yes, for the drop. Totally. So the meals themselves were similar to the classic Happy Meal, but, you know, with adult portion sizes, you could get either a Big Mac or a 10 piece chicken nuggets. Then you got French fries, a soda, and as you called out, a toy made in collaboration with streetwear brand Cactus Plant Flea Market. Now, these Happy Meals ranged in price from $9 to $12 before tax. They were not cheap. Uh, But they were supposed to last for the entire month of October, right? Wow. So visits to McDonald's during the first week of of October, which was the week of October 3rd, when the boxes were introduced, were up by more than 37% compared with the same week in 2021. That's according to Forbes. I'm going to tell you, McDonald's has actually been having a really great pandemic because a lot of people over the past few years who normally maybe wouldn't eat at McDonald's that frequently were going through the drive through because they didn't want to cook at home and they didn't have as many food options or because they wanted that like comfort of yeah, McDonald's, exactly. right? So for them to be up even more for that week last year is like, it's just a testament to how huge these were. So they were I mean, wildly and successful. Also, where there's just like uh, money insecurities happening. So, you know, it doesn't shock me. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. So McDonald's did not buy enough inventory. Wow. And there were a lot of unhappy customers <laughs> and employees. Once again, these were supposed to last a whole month and they didn't even last a full week. Did they do ads on these? I, I remember it, seeing them in like different marketing emails but i never really saw an ad i never saw an ad either i just started seeing people posting about them Mm -hmm. it was like viral basically uh so almost immediately 
the toys were being listed on eBay. We oh, saw wow. them immediately because we were like enjoying watching this play out, Dustin and me. Uh, they were right out of the gate selling at 10 times the price of the original meal, if not more. Because people wanted these toys. Mm-hmm. I personally, I was just like trying to rank them. And I think my first choice would be Hamburglar. Second <laughs> choice would be Grimace. I don't know about you. Um, I like Grimace. Yeah, he's got he's got nice energy, I right? I kind of like this like yellow dude with the with the McDonald's hat. Yeah, he's just like a McDonald's fan, I think. Yeah. Uh, we're going to share pictures of all of this on our website and on social. So don't worry, I'll get to see them too if you miss this. But this was like... <sighs> It was a disaster in that, like, McDonald's just was not prepared. They made so many missteps in planning this launch. And some of them were really simple. And some of them were, like, more complicated, like, planning the demand. For one, the boxes weren't stackable. Yeah. Terrible Because of the golden arches at the top. I know. So this was a major pain point for stores because it didn't allow them to build the boxes in advance, which slowed down service. So if you rolled up and ordered one... You'd have to wait a few extra minutes while they assembled it, which meant that more cars were backing up behind you. McDonald's also just did not fully grasp that adult Happy Meals would naturally sell faster than a regular Happy Meal. Like, I am guessing, as a person who's had to do a lot of demand planning, you know, I'm the Google doctor. I know how to plan some sales and demand using data. I am guessing that they planned the sales demand for the adult Happy Meals around regular Happy Meals. Yes, exactly. Right? Well, they wanted to be probably be cautious also. Probably, right? Well, it turns out that, you know, that's just not how it works because adults can go to McDonald's at any moment and buy as many Happy Meals as they want. In fact, cars would be rolling up with people ordering 10 at a time. Really? So I remember when the, the Beanie Babies or Oh my God, them, this is exactly... You could exactly, only buy one? Yeah, I was like, they should have done that. But once again, mm-hmm. they just... Didn't get it. Meanwhile, kids, you need to ask your parents to take you to McDonald's. And mm-hmm. there's a pretty high, the odds are high they're going to say no, right? Um, even if they're like, yeah, I'll take you to McDonald's, th- they still might say no when they're in the drive w- through to a Happy Meal and be like, no, you're just getting a hamburger or whatever. And so it's just not the same customer behavior situation. We're going to talk a lot more later about how so much of our nostalgia ties into brands and licensed properties. But the Happy Meal, which is a literal product made by one of the biggest companies in the world, has become sort of a universal, or at least in the U.S., source of nostalgia for generations. It is something that all of us can talk about, right? Have you ever had a Happy Meal? Oh, yes. I mean, this was how my parents got me to do things as a kid, like go to church. <laughs> so every Sunday, um, they we would get McDonald's and Happy Meals, whatever it is, you know, after church. And that was the only way that me and my sisters would go. <laughs> and it's probably why it, it, ha- it invokes such this like um fond fondness you know about it and, and how i've developed this taste for mcdonald's over the years and still find it very um memorable and enjoyable and a special treat right and i think like it's so interesting because you could talk to anyone who grew up in the united states about happy meals and mcdonald's and they're all going to have a story to share like something dustin and i talk about a lot is like you know 
I'm from Pennsylvania. He's from West Virginia. I I told him, you know, our the McDonald's closest to my grandma's house had the playground. I believe it was called the Play Place, and that place was a death trap. Like if you it were going to get scary. cut yeah. or injured, it was going to be on that playground. There were like sharp metal everywhere <laughs> and screws sticking out, and we were always getting cut and bleeding. Oh, but we always wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I tell Dustin that story, and he's like, "Yeah, same thing at our McDonald's. Like we all remember." I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? The most dangerous one was the one that was like." the police officer and you had to climb up inside yes yes death trap death trap yes that thing right? i remember that thing yes right but you grew up in wisconsin mm-hmm. you know but these are like these universal things and like this is just like a really prime example of how nostalgia for these universal things of our childhood that are all commercial properties bring us together it's kind of depressing but it's also interesting Right? Mm -hmm. So according to Wikipedia, when the Happy Meal was launched in 1979, the toys were a McDoodle stencil, sounds boring, a McWrist wallet, which I would have been all over, an ID bracelet. (laughs) Also, what's a McWrist? What is a McWrist? I have no idea. Uh, You could get a puzzle lock, which also sounds boring, a spinning top or a McDonaldland character-shaped eraser. Yeah, I definitely want the McWrist wallet. I don't even know what it is, but it sounds sounds good. It's a wearable. It's, it's a wearable. A, yeah, it sounds great. You can like it's an accessory. Mm-hmm. You can and you get to carry money in it. I would assume it was probably like the you know like the the, the kangaroos sneakers where there's oh, the little love zip pocket. Those. Yeah. Once again, another nostalgic thing that is just something someone sold to us. You know, yep. interesting. So over time. The, the toys within the Happy Meals became way more elaborate, often licensed products, which are what my memories are of them. And collectors pay major money for them now, both the toys and, believe it or not, the boxes. Do you remember, like, the glasses that they were, they had glassware and things? Yeah. But that wasn't part of the... Uh, Happy Meal, wasn't that just something that you could get? Like, you would have to, like, buy a large soda or something, and you could get the glass. Yeah, totally. I mean, they did a lot of that stuff. Um, And the glasses as well, a lot of the fast food places did them in the 80s, which is wild to me. Just like Garfield, right? Yeah, or Smurfs, or, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of characters. Land Before Time. Totally. Thinking about that, like, I'm like, what a shipping nightmare (laughs) <laughs> like there must have been so much damages. So expensive. But yeah, but like that was how it was. Or like I remember Hardee's had these during the era of Gremlins, you could get this Gremlins book that had a record inside it. Oh. I mean, like this Very shit was cool. crazy. They were like and getting Gremlins kids. Wasn't necessarily a kids thing either. Like that was definitely more in the adult. No, so scary. Yeah, so scary. So scary. You're like, oh, Gizmo, so cute. And then I'm like, this no. is a scary mm-hmm. movie. We saw it in a theater, and I was scared the whole time. I was like, I really regret this decision. <laughs> I was very little. I think like yeah. like Aww. my mom hated children's movies, but she was like, this one seems like I can go watch it. And I was like, I wish I would have picked something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was trying to think of like toys that I remembered from Happy Meals. And I remember there were, periodically there would be Barbie. There were Cabbage Patch Kids. I'm pretty sure there was Garfield. I mean, they always like if there was a big movie out, the toy was at McDonald's. Yeah. Or and, Pizza like, Hut. Pizza Hut was just, they just owned this. Well, can we talk about Bucket? Oh, 
Can we talk about Book It? That's another. Yeah. What an amazing other thing. I mean, yes, technically it was a drive to get us to all read books. Mm-hmm. Right. It was a bribe, was a bri- was a bribe to read. Uh, mm-hmm. People guess. Are we bribing kids enough to read these days? That's I don't a, think so. That's a different episode. But it's like you have to be bribed to read and go to church with fast food. <laughs> that's what that's what <laughs> that's I learned what when is. I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, and I remember thinking, like, I can't believe I only had to read like five books this month to get a personal pan yeah. pizza. You know, yeah. which of uh, course was a really brilliant marketing. Ah, uh, um, because. So- the parents had to go then and they would get, you know, a large pizza and like drinks and probably like cocktails and obviously Maybe a salad bar. You, yeah. And you know that that Coca-Cola or Pepsi, I'm sorry, they're open owned by Pepsi, that Pepsi probably paid for your personal pound pizza that they got, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. But still like, yeah, genius, man. I'm, we're going to talk about this more later, but like, in the eighties, they got really good at figuring out how to weaponize children to make money. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, so you know, there's no doubt that Happy Meal sales in this century have been at least partially driven by parents who had nostalgic memories of their own from having their own box of food and a toy, right? And they have all of these good feelings about it, and they're buying them for their own children now. So. Taking this to the next level and making an adult Happy Meal box. Like, once again, I'm like, I can't believe it took this long. Emily Heil wrote a piece for the Washington Post that I thought was going to be way funnier than it was, but was really interesting <laughs> called, I Tried McDonald's Happy Meal for Adults and It Didn't Make Me Happy. She really captured why the adult Happy Meal was definitely going to be a mm-hmm. massive hit. She said, grownups can buy a bit of childhood fun that for son, for son, is that how you say it? Frisson? F-R. Frisson. I, I, don't, I don't even know what it means. Yeah. Honestly. That frisson of excitement that comes with unearthing your prize from its fry-scented container. The heady sense of ownership that came from having a whole box that was yours and yours only. In other words, you're not buying this for your kids. It's really just for you. It's a nostalgic experiential moment. Yeah, it's, like I said, I can't believe it took them this long to do it. <laughs> um, it also allows the customer to take this one moment where maybe, just for the briefest instant, life won't be so scary and stressful. And that's the key with all of the adult purchasing and lifestyle. So we're going to end things there, but we'll be back next week where I'm going to tell you some more reasons why cadulting is blowing up the way it is. And I'm also going to talk to you about the brands that are really leveraging this and having a lot of success. And I'm also going to explain to you why there's something called a margarita-seeking dog. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. I know. uh, It's haunting me all over the internet now. Anyway, so we're going to talk about that more next week. And I just want to ask you before we go, Kim, have you, is there any nostalgic thing that you've been indulging in over the past couple years? Jeez, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, I do love that McDonald's, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I... (sighs) I am making nostalgic foods, um, things yeah. that, you know, I cook a lot. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I like to cook my own things. Um, when you did that cookbook of your family's recipes. Yes, that's, that's true. That's major nostalgia. Mm-hmm. That is major And you make those nostalgia. cookies, those peanut butter I cookies. a lot of, of um, nostalgic movies, too. 
you know, 80s and 90s. I think that's where it all began for a lot of us, right? During the pandemic, we were like, finally, I have the free time to sit down and watch all 1,000 episodes of Friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and we saw like Friends and Office, The Office and all these other, nost- oh, it makes me feel old to say it, nostalgic shows and films turn into major product categories yes, like over the exactly. past couple of years where suddenly, you know, 19 year olds are like, oh, I got to get myself that central perk mug. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> or the T-shirt. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we need to talk about that more in the second half, how, yes, it's toys, but it's like all these other categories of products that are getting in on it. So until next week. Go play with all your toys now. Put together something with your Legos. Brush Barbie's hair, but don't cut it because it's not going to grow back. Oh, my gosh. We definitely did that. Mm -hmm. We all did it. All right. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.